you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. David, football, football, David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now, here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi, and hello, football fans. It's your old pal, Dave, Dave Damashek. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program. Available as always on Stitcher iTunes and NFL.com slash Shaq. I don't know. Maybe the fans even, their hearts aren't into doing the chant right there. After the debacle in Heinz Field, at least from where Steelers fans are sitting and, uh, of course, Lions fans. On Sunday afternoon, none too pleased with the turnout of that game. Muzzle tub, though, to all the teams that did emerge victorious and moved on to the divisional round. Some very good games to kibitz about here. Joining us to do so right now, I mean, I have so many different directions we could go with this fella. He was also at the Rose Bowl to watch Jameis get it on with uh, with Marcus Mariota and the rest there. Maybe we'll even kibitz about that if we have some time. It's the great Bucky Brooks. It's been too long. What's the poop, fella? <laughs> What's going on, Shaq? How's everything? Well, you know how it is for me. I'm not, uh, I'm not feeling great. I wanted the Steelers to defeat the Ravens. I could have accepted a loss in Denver. I could have taken a loss in Foxborough, but not at home. Not to the bald birdies. It hurts, Buck. It still hurts. Yeah, it should hurt. You know, it was a tough game for them going in. When you lose your back, mm-hmm. Levy and Bill, who had been so much of their offense, have really done a great job of giving them balance, not only as a runner but as a receiver. Not having him available really took a lot of the steam out of that mm-hmm. offense. And for as great as Big Ben Roethlisberger is, he's like every quarterback. You have to have the support and cast intact to really do your thing. And he didn't have Levy and Bill and because of that, a lot of pressure on him. He just didn't play the level that you're used to seeing Big Ben play. Yeah, to his credit, Coach Tomlin refused to use Lev Bell's absence as an excuse, but I'm not nearly that classy. I use it as an excuse. Of course, he's an all. Now, listen, Ravens fans have reached out to me to let me know that uh, Eugene Monroe wasn't available and they have 19 guys on the IR, but all injuries aren't created equally, of course. This is an all-pro running back who isn't just effective in one phase of the game either. Great in pass protection. Imagine those Ravens pass rushers are a mighty bunch. And, of course, what slows them a bit is the little dump off over their head to number 26 and making them pay for that. That slows them up a little bit and changes the way they approach things. Also, I know a lot of Pittsburgh sports fans are saying, why didn't they throw the ball deep? The secondary so bad for Baltimore. Well, practically, Roethlisberger just didn't have the time to do so. Well, not even that. Like You talk about the impact of the running game. You know, For so long, the narrative has always been about the quarterback, and it's a quarterback-driven league and mm-hmm. this and that and running backs being devalued. And it's true that running backs are devalued on draft day, but not diminished in terms of importance. Running backs are still essential to the offensive puzzle because they dictate how teams cover 
in the back end. And so when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers in the other games, you wonder why Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant and those other guys were able to make plays on the outside. It's because that extra defender, that safety is now down in the box to take advantage of, make sure he can slow down Levy and Bell. Without Levy and Bell on the field, we saw Baltimore play more two deep schemes, mm-hmm. really play a coverage-based attack where they took away, if you think about it as an umbrella, they put an umbrella around the pass game and made Big Ben dink and dunk, something that he really hadn't had to do when he had Levy and Bell in tow. Um, before we dig in deeper into all four of the wild card games, and like I say, look ahead to some of the nice matchups there, I wonder this, Bucky. One, am I sadder about the Steelers losing, or are you sadder about the nomination but not the victory in the best former football playing guest category in the Shecky Awards that just were announced last year. So week. I got nominated, but I didn't win? You were nominated, yes. I was nominated, but not winning? Yeah. No, you didn't win it. Well, I'm disappointed. I mean, I'm yeah. a winner. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm about. I'm about winning. Then again, I, like, I get the sense like, that maybe you didn't know that you no, were nominated I, I in the first place. I didn't. If someone had told me, then we would have got the campaign. <laughs> I would have hashtagged and make sure my people yeah, made well, sure that they fought for me. 2020 hindsight, sure I get, Buck. 20, I was given every uh, every opportunity to make sure that I made my case. But Nate Burleson won. Former football player. Nate. That's right. Nate hasn't even been around long enough to, to earn a full nomination. I, I thought you, had, you should well, have at least a full year. You know year. what? Buck. He doesn't even have a full year. To get all raw about it a week after the fact is, uh, I don't know what. I mean, it's, that's not even a full year. Now, see, I'm going to get abuse from Ravens I have to be fans. in rotation regularly to be able to, to be there. They, don't, they know who I am from the outside, but they really don't know. I need to be on the Sheck well, podcast more. I, you be, know what? I, I was kind of leaning towards Bucky getting that award. Of course, the nominees and the Shecky Awards are handed out annually at the end of the calendar year. We did it just last week. We also covered... Best residual cereal milk, you know, like the milk that's left over after you eat all the cereal out uh, of there. Uh, Apple Jacks or Fruit Loops, one of those. Huh? Uh, see, Bucky, you know what you're talking about. Apple Jacks, indeed, was the 2014 Award winner though, for that. about that, though? Almond milk does not work, just so you know. Well, well what kind of weirdo puts almond milk put on their almond cereal? almond milk with, with Apple Jacks. I agree. Jacks. I had, like, if you I have had sugary had cereal, you have to have regular milk, either regular milk or 2%, but you can't put – I was short on groceries You can't be half weekend. healthy, half in like this. Nah. I was short on groceries this week, so I had to go <laughs> almond, almond milk. Almond milk and Apple didn't Jacks. Work. Who were the nominees, Bucky? It was that Ross Tucker. Mm-hmm. Nate Burleson was the champ. He ended up LT. walking away with the Shecky. LaDainian Tomlinson, Willie McGinnis. You were in some Tony competition there. I was in a, I was in a conversation, so I can put that That's on my That's good. Uh, and you know what? That leads me nicely in to the analogy I've been making now since the Bengals' loss in Indianapolis. Really, aren't they the – aren't the Bengals sort of like a team – where it, they're in a, a tough philosophical spot here, which is are you just happy to be nominated for an award? Or do you have to win it? And that's really what the Bengals are. They're like Glenn Close in the Oscar Awards. She's been nominated, I think, six times in her life, but she's never won. And so what is good enough? And I know that that matters city to city, football community to football community. The standard in, say, San Francisco or Pittsburgh or Dallas is higher than it is in Cincinnati. You look back, what's Mike Brown supposed to do? He's supposed to fire Marvin Lewis, who's made four straight playoff appearances. I can see fans bellyaching about it's time to move on from Marvin Lewis. On the other hand, I see the idea that, you know, the the you know, the devil you know is better. What are you gonna do? Then it becomes like George Clooney is successful leaving ER, mm-hmm. but most actors who say, let's, all right, we're doing all right, but let's see if we can take it even further. Most of those actors who walk away from a good situation, try to get into movies, they just go nowhere. Never leave the game when you you're hot. You see what I'm Shaq. getting at, Buck? Never what's, what's leave the, right the game move? when you're hot. Never so leave what's the, game the right? When you're hot. Well, so but what that's I would the point. Do, Are they hot? The Bengals ain't hot, though. That's the point. They're, they're, like, hot, like, they're you, doing well, but they're not doing great. The only way you can win a Super Bowl title is you have to get to the tournament. They've gotten to the tournament the last four years. Now, if this year they had their full complement of players, A.J. Green and Jermaine Gresham, then I could see having an argument. But when you go in there really hamstrung by what you have available to you, I think the odds of them winning against the Indianapolis Colts without two pro bowlers were significant. And so I believe Marvin Lewis deserves credit for making them relevant, for rebuilding them into a team that is – always in contention for the division around. Because as you say, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a higher standard. 
But the Steelers didn't make the postseason for what, two straight years or was it three straight years? Two straight. So, I mean, like, only six teams make it. I know they may add an additional seventh team, but the fact that they've been to the tournament four straight years, yeah, he should get credit for that. Now, at some point, they got to knock the door down. And there is some debate about whether Andy Dalton is a quarterback worthy of doing it. I won't put this loss on Andy Dalton because every quarterback has to have the weapons available to be able to make success, to have their success as a quarterback and as a player. He didn't have that full compliment with him, but at some point they need to take it to the next level. You don't want to keep going and being one and done. In the I know, and that's really sort of the point. You know, A.J. Green's injury provides the perfect cover for Andy Dalton, and I could see being a cynical Bengals fan and saying, man, I wish A.J. Green had been healthy, and once and for all we would see against a pretty bad Indianapolis defense. I know they have some nice pieces, and especially if Vontae Davis is right, he has been as much a shutdown corner this side of uh, Darrell Revis as there is in the AFC in 2014. But still, if you have your number one pass catcher out there, then he would have no cover, Andy Dalton. If he stunk in the playoffs again, I could see justifying. But now you're sort of in, like I say, this weird spot with the head coach and your starting quarterback – and what do we do now? It, it, it's again, I think, I think we're nominated, I guess. I guess we got nominated again. We didn't win anything, obviously. I think you have to be careful. I think you have to be careful when you adopt a championship or bust mentality. We saw it with the San Diego Chargers when they had Marty Schottheimer. Mm-hmm. You can even ask LaDainian Thomason. That team was different under Marty than it was under Norv Turner. And even though they made incremental gains where they advanced past the round or whatever, that team was built by Marty Schottenheimer, they were ready. And you have to have the patience to be able to let the guys see the plan through. And I think for Marvin Lewis, understand that they really have put themselves in a position where they have one of the more talented rosters in the National Football League. They're a team that is primed and ready to go. Uh, Yes, you need the quarterback to play better, but I think it's a learned process to be a champion. At some point, they'll knock the door down and put themselves in a situation to go to the divisional round and beyond. All right, I want to keep yapping about that, but, you know, we talk about the Bengals and the Steelers, their season's being over. If you think fantasy football season's over, Bucky, you are wrong. Don't wait till next year. Play more fantasy football for real cash now at FanDuel.com. Matt Nichols from Ohio, you know, maybe he's a Cincinnati fan. I don't know, a Browns fan. That's a losing mentality either way, but... On the bright side, he turned a $25 deposit into over 25000 k Wait, 25000 k That's not the right. 25000 or twenty-five k And I'm talking about clams, greenbacks, scratch, and so on. Playing fantasy football on FanDuel. Join him like hundreds of thousands of others have who have won the money. There's only two weeks left to play this NFL season, so don't miss out. Go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use my code DDFP, and sign up now. New user special. FanDuel is giving you a bonus of up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. For every dollar you spend, uh, your, your FanDuel will match it up to $200. Offer is only good for the first 50 people that use my code DDFP. Don't forget to use it, DDFP. Don't miss out on all the fantasy football you can handle. FanDuel.com, where every week is a new season. That's FanDuel.com. Sign up today. Now, Bucky, let's get back to the matter at hand and breaking these things down. Andrew Luck, special. I mean, really, I thought on Sunday, really showed the naysayers, and there are plenty of them. I said in front of that game that whoever lost it, there would be they would be the subject of a lot of, you know, hand-wringing and fair or otherwise they would be sort of picked apart, and not on the same level, Andy Dalton versus Andrew Luck. They're not similar QBs. But, you know, Andrew Luck, if he had gotten through uh, his third season and had thrown a bad pick or two along the way against the Bengals, you know that that noise would he can't win the big one. He's not. This guy isn't made to pull it out in January. Now, though, he has a, a really nice effort, I thought, on Sunday. But can he go up? or go over, I should say, to Denver with what is clearly not a loaded roster there on the Colts outside of him and come out of there with a win. Now, now here's the thing that frustrates me about the Andrew Luck conversation. I think we kind of anoint him as a guy that is doing so much with so little. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Really? No, absolutely not. Like when you look at the draft that they had with Andrew Luck, 
They drafted him in the first round. They drafted two tight ends in the second and third line, Dwayne Allen and mm-hmm. Kobe Fleener, respectively. T.Y. Hilton was also included in that draft. Reggie Wayne was a first-round pick. They've committed first-round picks to that offensive line. Now, whether they can play or not, that's one thing. But the talent around him is not like he's playing with a bunch of walk-ons like Phillip Rivers had to play with in San Diego. And so it kind of irks me when they say that, oh, he's doing so much with so little. Trent Richardson was a top-five pick. Like – yeah, he can't play. He's not living up to expectations, but the front office has done everything within reason to surround him with players. And I know that they led the league in drops, but they also, I want to say, threw more passes than anybody in the National Football League. So just the percentages will suggest that they're going to drop more passes because there are more attempts. Hmm. When I look at this team, this is not a team that's devoid of talent. He is a great player. He does a lot of great things. They've put a lot on his shoulders in terms of asking him to throw 33 to 35 times a game. That's a lot for a young guy. And without the balance that you would like ideally to have in the backfield, it's tough. He's a good player. I believed in him when he was at Stanford. I thought he was going to be a great pro, and he has really lived up to expectations. But I think we need to kind of squash the narrative that, oh, it's mighty Andrew Luck and a cast of nobodies, because that's not really the case. Wow, that's fascinating, because that is, uh, you know, it's not That's what me. everyone says. Yeah, you're that's right. That's what and everyone I, says. Oh, my gosh, just she doesn't have that. anybody. You're right. right. Da, 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 da. But, like, all those guys were drafted higher. Like, there's no one that he's – Dante Moncrief was a, either a second or a third-round pick. Everyone he's thrown to, Hakeem Nix – is a first-round pick. Like, he's not playing with scrubs on the outside and making those guys better. It's, it's different. Like, are they playing necessarily up to where their, their draft status was? No, you can make that debate, but they tried to surround him with guys well, let's play, to do it. Play a little uh, – it's uh, third round for Dante Moncrief. Nice work there, Black Tie. Nice on the trigger behind the glass. Um But uh, so a little something I like to do to try and measure a quarterback, it's completely uh, speculative. As you know, I like to do things like that. I don't use numbers and facts and sources. I just, you know, talk from my gut. What would the Bengals record be if they had Andrew Luck as their QB? And what what would the Colts be if they had Andy Dalton as their QB? If Andrew Luck was the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, I would think they would be a team that is 13-3, and Hmm. a team that is a serious contender, to play for the championship. And the reason I would say that is because A.J. Green is an elite receiver. Now, Andrew Luck doesn't have necessarily an elite receiver on his squad. T.Y. Hilton is a nice compliment, but he's Mm -hmm. not in the same class as A.J. Green. Um, You surround him with another tight. I mean, like, Jermaine Gresham and Kobe Flynn and Dwayne Allen wash out. But I just think that offense, would he would allow – it would allow them to elevate themselves in terms of Cincinnati having Andrew Luck. Also, he would have a better running game behind him. So watching him play at Stanford behind a power running game, throwing the ball down the field to really a tight end centric passing game, he had a tremendous amount of success. So now you give him two runners in Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard who are talented, who have the ability behind a big physical offense line to control the point of attack and allow him to throw off play action. Yeah, he becomes a more dangerous and effective player at the position, even though his yardage totals may come down. I think you're probably more fearful of what Andrew Luck can do in that situation in Cincinnati. Well, so what would you do if you're Cincinnati, and then we'll move on from them, but if what I guess there's not an Andrew Luck available mm-hmm. to the Bengals between now and the start of 2015, but do you think that they should be on the lookout to see if they can upgrade? Jay Cutler, I said a year ago Mike Vick, and I stand by that. I know Mike Vick wasn't good. This past year, for well, the most I part, but I if he had been there, that would have been a different. You know, they, I think they're more dy- obviously more dynamic. Oh, I mean, I think they, they, I think they certainly are more dynamic with the old Vic. Not, I mean, not the. Vic I know maybe Vic's a bad one, but should they, they should they look I, at one of these free agents? Should well, they see, try he, to see the free agent class with Brian Hoyer, Mark Sanchez, and those guys? I don't think there's an upgrade over Andy Dalton. I think yeah. you're just kind of replacing those guys. However. If a Jay Cutler came available, I think you have to seriously consider it, particularly if Hugh Jackson is still around. Because the one thing that I would say with Jay Cutler and Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson is a little more confrontational with his quarterback. He would challenge his quarterback in a different way. And I think that he probably could squeeze out a little more out of Jay Cutler than maybe we've seen him kind of get out or other coaches get out of him at the time. But I think that's the only guy that could really upgrade it because his arm talent allows you to do so much different things. Like, yeah, do you like the body language, the leadership, and some of those things? I think you call it in question, but I also think it's easy for us on the outside to say that he's not a leader just based on a few snapshots of what he 
or how he interacts with his teammates on the sideline. We don't know. I think he works I, you hard. Know what? By I think he's smart. I think he's one of those things. Look at Joe. Think about the QBs. This idea of what you have to be to be a field general, leader of men, all that jive. I, I say jive. Maybe it was important. Not jive. Body what? language. Or body language. Excuse me. If, uh, the, the right body. But Joe Flacco couldn't be a quieter guy. Cam Newton isn't exactly the classic leader of men in the way he comports himself. Are we done with that now? Can't we be over the idea of what you how, how you have to comport yourself? I think the biggest thing that 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 serves as leadership from the quarterback position is not only the talent, but how you perform and how do you perform in big moments. Like the bigger the game, the bigger the moment. Do you step your game up or do you shrink? Mm-hmm. I think when you talk about those guys, Joe Flacco. I'm not a huge Joe Flacco fan in terms of comparing him as a you know thrusting him into the top ten conversation, but you can't argue what he's done in the postseason. Like in his last five postseason games, 13 touchdowns, no interceptions, has led them to a Super mm-hmm. Bowl title. He has shown flash to being able to put that offense on his back in those moments. So when you're – and I say it from a defensive standpoint. If I'm a defensive guy and I'm looking over at the offense, the offense runs on the field, the whole thing that you would like to have is you want a quarterback that we say, hey, man, if we just get the ball back, our guy can figure out a way to do it. I think with Cam Newton, he has some of that cachet coming out of Auburn. We saw him do it when he led them to a national title. We've seen him doing it in moments in Carolina. He doesn't have a lot of comeback or game-winning drives under his belt, but he has some special talent that you can kind of buy into. I think the big thing is people want to sense that you're invested, that you're committed, that you can get it done when they need you to make a play, and that's with every player, the quarterback position in particular. If your quarterback can make a play in moments – they believe in that, and I think that's the thing, and I think we talk about all the great quarterbacks in our league, the ones that people buy into, they all have that quality. They all have the ability to lead their team back when they really need them to make plays. What about, uh, back to the question I asked you five minutes ago, Andrew Luck, do you buy their chances in Denver this weekend? I, I, give, them a, I give them a legitimate chance. I, hmm. I think, one, they've beaten Denver before. They beat them last year. Uh, early in the year, they fell behind a significant margin. But they really, they that closed. second half, people forget how close they came. Yeah, to, they closed. And right. You only lose by a touchdown. And so here's the thing when you, you, you take on the Denver Broncos, if I'm the Indianapolis Colts, um, playing man coverage and being able to really change their looks really gives them an opportunity if they can find a way to disrupt the rhythm of Peyton Manning. Because it's outside, the ball is not going to fly as far. Think about a golfer playing in cold weather. His ball just certainly it just doesn't fly far in inclement conditions. So you can squeeze and constrict those guys. You have to make the Broncos be one-dimensional. The problem with Indianapolis is on offense, they can't physically dominate the Broncos the way that I feel like you need to beat them up. They don't run the ball well enough to make it a balanced attack. I don't think this can be a game where Andrew Luck throws the ball 40 times and you win. When you throw the ball that much, inevitably turnovers are going to happen. I don't want to put that much on the quarterback. Some way, somehow, Boom Heron has to be a guy that is a factor. If he becomes a factor, gets close to 100 yards, they have a chance of knocking off the Broncos. All right, let's talk about the Ravens now. And Flacco is terrific. And, you know, I, I, I jokingly, um, you know, have my fun with the Ravens. But, you know, Flacco, I've said pretty consistently, the thing about him is he – it's one of the worst things to see in your foe is that you can't break their will. And Joe Flacco, no matter what happens to him, he just comes back slinging. It's the sort of the compliment that Andrew Luck always gets. He throws a terrible pick six, and yet he comes right back and keeps on firing. That's what Flacco has. He just doesn't seem to care if he, you know, if, he, if he's thrown three straight terrible balls or fumbled one away or whatever. He goes deep the next time he touches the ball. Yeah, no, he has an unflappable spirit. He, he, he continues to make plays. He continues to try and fit the ball down the field when he has that. But what I believe for Joe Flacco is this offense is a perfect fit for what he is. He is athletic enough to do some things on the edge. He's a deep ball thrower. Gary Kubiak is a masterful designer of these exotic play-action pass games. He'll do some things with a half roll. He'll throw it all the way back across the field. Home run action producing big plays. Mm-hmm. And with Steve Smith or and pass Torrey interference. Smith, That's what it seems. The detractors of the Ravens will point that out. That they, what they, he does is just chuck it deep and hopefully they hey, get a make, yellow flag make, out make of him, it. Make him, make him play the deep ball. And the Ravens, because they have success running the ball with Justin Forsett, they are tough because you have to respect the stretch part of the run game, and then they complement it with a bootleg passing game that is vertical-based. It allows them to really push the ball down the field. It challenges your defense to be sound and disciplined. And so 
And looking at this game against the New England Patriots, I absolutely believe the Ravens can go on the road and win that game. Hmm. One, they don't fear the Patriots. They've had enough success against Tom Brady in the past with those veterans on the field, Terrell Suggs, Haloti Nada, some of those other guys. They know that they can knock them off. So they don't have that fear factor of Tom Brady that some teams will come in with. And because they can run the ball, they can control the clock, they can really make it kind of like one of these low-scoring affairs, I think they can win. But can they run the ball against New England specifically? Yes, of course, they've done a nice job with Forsett and company. But can they get it going against what has been a the best New England defense in probably, what, a half dozen years now? Oh, it's absolutely one of the best defenses they've had since, like, the early 2000s. The way they're constructed, they're constructed like the teams that won three out of the four Super Bowls in the beginning of Tom Brady's career there. The big thing with running the football is they have to be able to neutralize Vince Wilfork at the point of attack. If they can get it going just a little bit, and really, don't focus on yards, focus on the number of attempts, because the attempts are what sets up the vertical play-action mm-hmm. passing game. It's incumbent on Steve Smith, senior, and Torrey Smith. One of those guys is going to have to win against either Brandon Brown or Darrell Revis. Darrell Revis is playing at a high level. And if those guys can't win, it neutralizes everything. It really comes down to can those guys win on the outside. Defensively, I like their matchups. The big thing with New England. You do, huh? I, yeah. I, mean, I, I See, to me, Tom Brady, you know, Brian Billick was in here a couple of weeks ago, and he said the Steelers are the only team that could go to Foxborough and beat the Patriots. I disagreed with that and for the same reason that I disagree with the Ravens going up there and winning, aside from that they ha- – and I think it matters, too, that they know they've been the Patriots' kryptonite the last decade in the postseason. And the they, Patriots know. They know – right, that's exactly right. I think it does matter for both teams to know that the Ravens, whether you believe it or not, they have knocked them off. But that aside, practically, shouldn't Tom Brady just be able to give them slow death 11, 12 yards at a time? Maybe. But here's the the thing when I look at the New England Patriots. um, The smartest thing that they did was the midseason acquisition of LeGarrette Blount. LeGarrette Blount gives them that physical runner that they need to really create the kind of matchup Don't say that they it, want Buck. I'm a Steelers fan. Yeah, if LeGarrette I mean, Blunt is the reason they beat the Ravens, but Pittsburgh couldn't, then I'll be sick in the gut all off season. It, and it might be the reason. I thought about it as soon as they let him go, you know, because mm-hmm. yep. however, however it went down, they let him go. So now LeGarrette Blunt gives them the big back. And when so you he look, sassed Joey Porter. That's the reason the Steelers he, he let sa- him go. He sassed I understand that, but, like, sometimes you don't want to cut off your nose and spite your face. I believe. When you look at the Patriots teams, the teams that have won successfully, they all had big backs in the backfield. Corey Dillon, mm-hmm. Antoine Smith. Um, those guys give them the presence where they can close the formations and make people play in a phone booth, meaning they play those heavy jumbo sets. They really make it an old-school football game. They now have that because on the outside, the only person that scares anybody, Rob Gronkowski, Brandon LaField, Julian Edelman, the rest of those guys, they're just okay. Those guys don't scare anybody. But now when you can run the football, bring everybody in, you have one receiver out, it makes it easier to create those mismatches for Tom Brady to throw the ball deep. Because they spread it out, those guys aren't going to win consistently with the exception of 87. Since the game ended, nay, since before the game ended in Dallas, that has been the big story. So let's get our two cents, a combined four cents out now on what happened there and try and make sense of what happened in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, clear. I, uh, do you have any argument? I, uh, I like 99, I'm not going to say 100%, because there are a few people out there I've spoken with who don't think that that was some sort of defensive penalty. But, I mean, listen, the, look at the replay. The DB, I mean, the uh, linebacker's hand is blatantly on Pettigrew's shoulder. That does, whether you think it's incidental or not, does prevent him from leaping up. That prevents him from coming back to the ball and so on. A blatant P.I., if you want to call it defensive holding, whatever else you want to say, that was a penalty, right? I mean, it should have been a penalty, yes. It should have been either a defensive holding penalty or a defensive pass interference. It was a significant play in the game. It did impact the game because if they get the call, regardless of whether it is, it moves the ball further into the red zone. It allows them potentially to kick a field goal at the end of the drive. It also allows them to chew up some more clock and do those things. Does it change the outcome of the game? Could Dallas have still won the game? Yeah, they could have won the game. But it changes some of the circumstances, some of the play calling. The big thing to me has been this outcry that Jim Caldwell should have gone for it on fourth down. I think he should have. I thought that in the time, too. That's not 2020 hindsight. I feel like – 
coaches need to, it's sort of like what Flacco and company were. They were aggressive throughout the game. It was that that's an easy spot to say we have a lead and we're on the road against the Steelers who supposed or who are supposed to beat us. We should really just try and spin that clock as much as we can. No. They went for it more and more, and they really that uh, they they took the heart. They didn't wait for it to be given to them. I feel like Caldwell should have gone for it. No, here's the, here's the reason why you don't go for it in that situation. The ball is on the 46 yard right. line, so if you don't get it, you give the ball to Dallas at the 46 yard line. They're only down three, so and looking at the range of their kicker, they only need the 20, 25 yards to be in field goal range. So if you are saying that the Detroit Lions defense is the strength of your squad and you look at your defense coordinator and this defense is ranked number two overall in the National Football League, we're going to punt it, put it inside the 10, and make them drive the length of the field. The issue was the execution of the punt. You have a shank punt, right. puts the ball at the 38, 39-yard line. So now when it comes to fourth down, well, Dallas is at midfield. So it's okay for them to go for it. If the ball is backed up, they're not going for it on fourth and six. They're going to continue to play the odds. When you're a head coach, you're always trying to play to the strength of your team. And also, everyone is like, oh, we want to go for it on fourth down. Well, what are we going to do? We're not a physical run team. We're not a team that lines up and knocks you off the ball. That's not their MO. That's a good point. They're a finesse team. If I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, I have Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. Yeah, I do it. If I'm Cincinnati, I'm constructed like that. I'm New England. Detroit is not built to be a team that is a run first team. They're a finesse pass oriented team. It doesn't matter. It doesn't play work action in, their favor. in in short yardage always works. Buck the it lone did. exception remember, was the pet, the Brandon Pettigrew play was play action in the, short yardage. The play before and yeah. they were all over it. So when you Jim Caldwell and yeah, you're looking at right, that fair balls at the 46, you play the odds because also understand this: when you are the home team in the playoffs. The pressure on you is immense. I agree with that. I, people There's always so say you won home field. If you're so, if you're the prohibitive favorite, it means that you don't feel you know as a fan when you're watching your team and you're supposed to win games and you're you don't you feel relief. You don't feel joy. Your team won. So you as just, a fan, whoo! I'm glad we didn't have to so deal with that shame of losing at home in the playoffs. So right. let's take that as a fan. All that angst and anxiety that you bring with you, you bring that to the stadium. So. The longer the game is close or your team is behind, the more anxious you become. Well, guess what? That seeps onto the sideline. You can feel the collective nervous energy in the stadium as a player. Moments Mm. become bigger in the playoffs. Like things that you normally would laugh off like a drop pass, ah, I dropped it. Well, in the playoffs, it's magnified because of the pressure of the moment. So if I'm the visiting team, I want to keep them behind as long as I can because that pressure comes into Mm. play. Particularly, think about it. Now, I'm Detroit, I'm Jim Caldwell, and he likely doesn't bring this psychology into it. But think of all the failures that the Dallas Cowboys have had throughout the years, particularly their quarterback, Tony Romo. Think about the pressure that's on him to make a play. So when I kick the ball, I'm saying, Tony, you're going to have to drive it the length of the field. How many of us really thought that he was going to be able to play. How many of us waited for the other shoe to drop? Yeah. That Tony Romo, even though he has 28 game-winning drives on his belt, there was still a part of us that was like, oh, he's, when, oh, when is he going to mess this up? There are so many numbers that go – people always say, uh, the stats guys that we talk to all the time say, you know, what, what, do you, what point are you trying to make because I can give you numbers that support or deny your argument, whatever they are. And Tony Romo is the personification of that. There's so many. He's had more fourth quarter comebacks. He's also turned the ball over in the final three minutes more than anybody. I mean, there are a million of those. So exactly, yes, it was Shakespearean stuff watching what he was doing. And you know, for anybody who says you're just a hater and you're, these are human beings. What it, with basically what you're saying is something I firmly believe. Professional athletes. A big difference between them, you, and and us, we fans is that you guys have a much, much higher level of confidence than we have. You don't let negativity seep in as much as we do. Their self-doubt gets Always. in the way. But you guys think, well, I belong here. That's how you get to the highest levels. And But Romo, once you have a few of those, and that's the noise, and that's all anybody talks to you about – the idea that well, Romo, what do you think he cares about? Yeah, I definitely think. Oh, and you w- absolutely watch care. after he gets that touchdown. Watch after the game is over. The the again that ro- something between euphoria and, and relief, relief, like oh my god, I can't believe it. 
And to extend that, I think now they're going on the road up to Lambeau. They're playing with house money. They shouldn't be there. Bad call, people are well, saying. Well, it's, it's just, it's just – I don't a, think they're nervous a, going up to Lambeau no, now. No, it's just, it's just a different deal. Like, uh, I happen to play on the, the Jacksonville Jaguars team, the 96 Jaguars team. They went on the road and we beat Buffalo. And then we went on the road the following week and we beat the Denver Broncos and lost to the Patriots in the playoffs. Well, against Buffalo, no one gave us a chance. So you kind of play free and loose. Mm-hmm. You kind of do your deal. All the pressure's on the other team. The home fans or whatever. You jump on them early, then it's like, oh, my God, what's going on? The Denver Broncos the following week, it was the same thing. They were 12-4. and four. They were prohibitive favorite. We're just an expansion team kind of coming on the road. Good things started happening early. You feel the frenzy on the sideline. You also feel the pressure on them. Mm-hmm. When it becomes the championship game, everything is even. We all feel the same pressure and urgency and anxiety of, oh, my God, if we lose, we don't go to the Super Bowl if we win. Like, that matters. So, yeah, like, athletes have the ability, good ones have the ability to compartmentalize those feelings. They still affect them, but they have the ability to push on and push past those things. Yeah, there is. It, it is. I think it really is. I'm Not to get too psychological, I'd rather just talk about the games. But I will say the guys who are able to translate that energy – which is easy for it to be negative, the the pressure. Ra- the guys who kind of take it and, and love it, and really, it, this is a bad comparison, but, you know, in the early days when you start talking on the radio or on TV, you get nervous. You get, you get mm-hmm. nervous. And at some point, I really would say to myself early on, I would say, well, what's the point of all this? This is what it all leads up to. Is you, if you don't enjoy this, then what's been the point of you moving to Los Angeles, Dave, and all that kind of stuff? In the same way, the good players, I bet you have that same, well, this is why I'm doing this, is to be playing in January. It's not something, a hurdle I have to get over. This is why I'm here. And I feel like Peyton Manning, to some degree, has a, doesn't, like, I love the playoffs. I feel like he's in a mindset now where he feels like, I just don't want to do anything to hurt my legacy because uh, I, I, I'm such a great performer, but these these individual games get in my head and people are going to talk bad about me if I throw another interception. He's a human being, and that does matter. Speaking of the Cowboys, what happens in Green Bay this weekend? Because they say the style makes it, the styles make the matchup, and you know the Packers have that soft underbelly in their defense, and you would think DeMarco Murray should be able to gash them, and you talk about spinning the clock and all that. On the other hand, if Aaron Rodgers is anything close to right, when he's been healthy this year after the early season hiccup, I forget the Lions game and the Bills game, and you know he had the bad calf for those. If he's right, they've been whipping teams. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if it was at the end of the third quarter – if it was 21 to 20, on the other hand, I wouldn't be surprised if halfway through the second quarter it was 31 to 7 Packers. How say you? How's that one going to be? You know, I think this would be a, a really good game that plays in the favor of the Dallas Cowboys hmm. if they can control it from the outset. The first quarter to me is everything. Green Bay, when they're playing well, it's because they jump on you those they, first The game's those over first before the – right. Aaron Rodgers jumps on you. They get a 14-0 lead. Then their defense plays from ahead. That allows them to not face the steady diet of run game and to really allow them to use that zone blitz scheme to get after the passer. The Dallas Cowboys, if they get the ball first and if they're able to run the ball early and manufacture points early to keep it close, the game begins to turn in their favor later on because the run game allows you to keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. It also allows you to attack the biggest weakness of the Packers, which is their run defense, and it alleviates some of the pressure on Tony Romo. This is a game where we saw how the Detroit Lions – dominated the point of attack against the Cowboys' offensive line, the Green Bay Packers don't have that ability. Because of that, I think the Cowboys can go on the road and get this win. I don't know if it happens, but I think this is a game that goes into the fourth quarter. I think it's it's going to take heroics from one of the quarterbacks to pull it up. Wow. I feel that uh, is maybe headed that way. And lastly, and I can make jokes, but we're not contractually obligated to talk about the Arizona and Carolina game. (laughs) I I feel bad for the Cardinals. I feel – what what are they supposed to – I feel bad for Ryan Lindley taking every – it's one thing – if you talk about, you know, I don't know who, Tony Romo or Peyton Manning, these are guys in the top 10, top, you know, Peyton Manning's the top five quarterback all time. 
And so it's one thing to th- Ryan Lindley doesn't deserve our our jokes. I mean, poor guy. He's a, he wasn't on an NFL mm-hmm. roster for a reason a month ago, and now suddenly he's playing on the road in the playoffs. My my heart goes out to him and to Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles and uh, what was a, an otherwise great season. Yes, Black Tie. I do have a question for Bucky here, though, mm-hmm. because everyone, everyone in their moms was like, why is Ryan Lindley still in this game? Why not give Logan Thomas a chance? And I thought after the game, it's like maybe, maybe Arians does like Logan Thomas. Maybe he sees this, a bright future in this guy. He doesn't want to expose him too early. Is there anything, Bucky, you can tell us here about this Logan kid or why they wouldn't? I mean, he was drafted in the fourth round. Lindley was taken in the sixth. Like, why wouldn't you even give him a chance? Well, I, I, I think obviously there's a comfort level. If, if they really believe that Drew Stanton was going to come back in this game, at the end of the year, what they did when they originally announced that Logan Thomas was going to be the starter, like you allow – um, Logan to play because you don't expect him to play. You have to give him experience before you throw him in in the playoffs. The big thing that I try and tell people when you're looking at pro football, there are four different speeds at the NFL level. There's preseason, there's regular season, there's playoff, hmm. and then there's the Super Bowl. The speed and intensity picks up when you get to each segment. So in the playoffs, to think that you can throw a rookie in who has a scant amount of experience and have success, it doesn't happen. As bad as Ryan Lindley is, he has starts under his belt. He has seen it and done it against NFL defenses and defenders. Well, he gives you I, I the think best he's seen chance. it. I would say what? he's done it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so, so if you're Bruce Arians, what you're trying to do is you're trying to minimize the damage because – I believe this, and I, I was taught this from Marty Schottenheimer and other coaches. In the playoffs, more games are lost than won. The mistakes hmm. really decide what happened. Not so much you go make plays. It's can you minimize your mistakes? Can you minimize the turnovers, the penalties, the miscues that ultimately result in losses? Well, that's and how that's, you play the game, and to that's me, what that's happens. A, that's a great transition into Cam Newton because, to me, that's what it's all about. Show me – how many turnovers Carolina is going to have at the end of the game, and I'll tell you what kind of game it's going to be up there in Seattle. But before real, we do that, here's a fan question, you know, that a lot of along the lines of what Black Tie's getting at there. Why not if you're Arizona? If anybody, Bruce Arians, who's an outside the box kind of guy, really, why didn't they go get Tim Tebow, Vince Young, uh-huh. one of those? None I of know guys. it's ridiculous, but Brian none, Lindley none, is, none, is, none is ridiculous none too. Those, none of those guys can play in his system. None of those guys can play in the system. And so what? For one honest, game, we want to survive this game and get to Drew Stanton. Is Ryan Lindley going to give us a better chance of that? Or, hey, Vince Young, go be Vince Young for 60 minutes. Maybe we steal that game. No? I mean, that's a nice that's a nice thought that we're going to dust a guy off the street and we're going to bring him in and let him throw and do all these things. That's what they did with Ryan Lindley. They dust him off the street. And they put I know. Him in the so lineup. why not do it with somebody who makes they're, plays on his own they're, and they're only doesn't have together. to know anything? But, Just run around and know, do the, it. The big thing is, before we can really put it all on Ryan Lindley, here's the thing. The Cardinals weren't constructed to really have a long playoff run on offense without their number one quarterback. They don't have a physical running game that allows them to lean on the running game like you would like to when you don't have a quarterback. So they had to put more on Ryan Lindley. Ideally, in that game, the way their defense played, their defense gave them more than enough opportunities to win the game, Mm -hmm. in my estimation. They created turnovers. They got turnovers in the kicking game. They were able to shorten the field. They had chances. But to do what you need to do to win with a backup quarterback, you have to be able to run the ball consistently. They couldn't run the ball on early down, so now they're facing second and third longs quarterbacks, even good quarterbacks, struggle in those situations. I think a lot of people, so now we'll turn to Carolina, and I feel like the Monday night game around Halloween time, the things couldn't have been worse. The Panthers hadn't won a game since September, I don't think, and they looked really bad, and they got housed by the Eagles, I believe, up in Philadelphia. And everybody declared Cam Newton that this team is terrible and they're throwing him out there and he's getting hammered and this isn't good for his future. But then again, maybe he's not, he's just an athlete. Maybe he's not a quarterback in the, in the national football league, all that kind of jive. And since then, I think people tuned them out a little bit, but the fact of the matter is they're on a five game winning streak and the defense is completely different than what it was. In fact, I can't recall a defense turning a corner to the degree that this Carolina team has middle of the season. I mean, they were junk, for 10 weeks, 12 weeks, and suddenly now they're a pretty good defense. So while everybody cracks wise about how the Seahawks have a gimme on their way to the uh, NFC title game, 
Do you give Cam and company a shot going up there? Absolutely. They have a great shot. They've only given up 25 points to the Seahawks the last two times that they've yep. played. Both games have been within a touchdown. They understand what Seattle is because it's like looking in the mirror. It's a defensive-oriented team that really relies on the run game. If I'm the Carolina Panthers and I'm playing the Seattle Seahawks, I'm committed to running the ball. I want to run the ball 35 times at a minimum against the Seahawks. I want to shorten the game. I want to put it on Seattle to make plays in the fourth quarter. From Carolina's defensive standpoint, it is all about stopping Marshawn Lynch and containing Russell Wilson. I don't believe the Carolina Panthers will be afraid of the weapons on the outside that the Seattle Seahawks present. So look for them to have eight, maybe nine men in the box, and they're going to force those guys to win one-on-one situations. The way that defense is playing – they can lock down anybody, particularly a tough running game. They're going to make it very, very tough for the Seattle Seahawks. It's a game where, for the Seattle Seahawks, you walk in with all your fans expecting to walk through the Carolina Panthers. But they know that the Panthers are a tough team. And so that angst that I talk about permeating mm-hmm. the stadium, it will certainly be there in CenturyLink Field. I think the Seahawks win. But I think this is a game that is going to go to the fourth quarter. This is going to be a very, very tough and physical I, game. I, listen, what you said 20 minutes ago I think is great stuff. That's exactly right. You, what, what you don't want to be is the Sposta team. You're supposed to win. I would – that is not the – I the Yankees are fun in baseball because in the same way Star Wars is great because of Darth Vader – I just wouldn't want to have to root for Darth Vader. Same thing, I wouldn't want to root for the Yankees, and I don't like rooting for a team that's supposed to do it. There's just not much fun in that. There's merely relief in that. But practically, let's play our game real quick. Cam Newton for Russell Wilson. They get traded. What are the records of those two teams? Mm, that's interesting. Is Russell are, are the Panthers better if they have Russell Wilson or worse? Ah, uh, they're different. Um, I'm they're about the same because here, here's the thing. I, th- I think they're probably about the same because I think what Russell Wilson adds, Cam certainly adds as well. Russell Wilson is a more accomplished pocket passer, but it's a little different. I think the big thing with Russell Wilson and Cam Newton, you put Cam Newton with Seattle, I think it changes their dynamic because with their zone reduction, you have a bigger quarterback, you have a guy that can play. But I still think they're both the same. Both teams are defensive-minded, defensive-centric hmm. They run the ball, they play defense, and they hope they get timely plays from their quarterback in the quarterback position. I just I can't get over, I say it to everybody who comes in here, and I'm going to say it to you now, that in 2014, all the talk about quarterback league and throw the ball and all that, that Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson just pick and roll every team they play to death. That's all they do. <laughs> Stop this. Well, all you're doing, it's two guys. Stop those two guys. Doug Baldwin is not a threat. I mean, really, he's not a number one wide receiver. He's very not, good. Not a, classic, not a classic number one, not a guy that commands double teams. Like, when you think of your number one receiver, your number one receiver is a guy that commands double coverage because if he commands double coverage, he changes the way that you have to play. Guys who face one-on-one, guys who can win against one-on-one, those are nice, but you need guys who can change because it not only changes how they play against the run, but it changes how they play against pass and it creates opportunities for others in other areas. All right, last thing, Rose Bowl. And, I, you know, I feel like I deserve a lot of credit, Black Guy <laughs> and Bucky and uh, you, the listener, for not going on and on about the Steelers. I could have bellyached. A lesser man would have bellyached, spent a, an hour doing it and talking about this, that, and the other, but I didn't. Because why? Because I'm classy. That's why, Black Tie. You also have two minutes to the end of the show. All right, listen. I, what, you want me to fill the next two minutes? I'll do it, talking <laughs> about the Steelers. Bucky. You were at the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. Mariota, Jameis Winston. The Ducks now are on to the title game. I, by the way, I told people, you watch out for Ohio State. Daniel Jeremiah went one step further. He said the Buckeyes were going to beat the Tide, so kudos to him. How bad I, – I, I've seen a lot of people saying similar to what I'm about to say to you. Jameis Winston didn't hurt himself one iota in the Rose Bowl, did he? Or is that crazy fumble – is that something that, that that a scout will talk about that will in you know March as the draft process gets rolling here? Is that going to be a problem for anybody? He didn't hurt himself. I thought it was an outstanding performance for him. It's one of those things that would be a, a moment where we always kind of laugh at us a blunder to make the highlight reel and those things. But in terms of playing the game, very, very impressive. If you look at the way he played the game and the throws he was asked to make, he made throws that you asked quarterbacks to make on Sunday. Very impressive performance mm-hmm. for him. I think it's something that you can build on. If you're an evaluator, you look at that tape, it gives you a 
very clear picture of what Jameis Winston can be down the road. I think for Marcus Mariota, he also had a very fine performance. You saw the strengths of his game. Very athletic, makes plays on the perimeter, has the ability to be a playmaker in critical situations. The questions still linger. Can he play the game from the pocket? How comfortable will he be in a pro offense that doesn't feature some of those things that he's done at Oregon for a long time. I think if you are an evaluator, if you're a team that's considering Marcus Mariota, you have to be willing to build your offense around his strengths, incorporate some of the things that he does at Oregon. He has an opportunity to be much like Colin Kaepernick and RG3 and some of those guys who are dual threats on the outside and do a lot of things around the zone. You know better than I, but I I, I, I just don't see it. I don't think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. He just doesn't have the arm to do it. Uh, Simple his, as that. His, his arm is okay, but I think he's he's a guy that I don't think he's a slam dunk to be a guy that we talk about being an elite quarterback. Love the character, love all the things that he brings off the field, but his game is one that you have to have a clear plan for how he's going to how you're going to use him, and you can't deviate from that plan to make him something that he's not. Last thing, two years ago, I said the Steelers wouldn't make the playoffs. They didn't. Two, uh, one year ago, I said they'd go 8-8 eight and eight and not make the playoffs. I was right again. This year, I said they'd win the division, and I was right again. So I'm not a homer, or whether I am or not. Mm-hmm. I do have a sense of where this team goes. And let me tell you something. Agree or disagree, Bucky Brooks, the 2015 favorite to go to the Super Bowl will be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, this is too much. That's this not – I'm much. trying Come to get the – Don't you tell me this, this is my is show. I talk seen. about what I want to We're talk about. The 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 I don't no, care. I want you to much. say it, Bucky. They're the favorite this to go to the Super Bowl. What do you think? What's up with that? Tom Peyton Manning may be retired by then. Tom Brady will be a year older. We don't even know how the team is going to be constructed. I'm telling you how it's going to be constructed. They have. They're going to have Lev Bell, Antonio Brown, and Ben Roethlisberger. That's a good play to start. The offensive line will be better. They're going to get a DB or two, right? I mean, that's right. That's, Them or the, col- nice. the Colts nice. are going to be your favorite. That's nice. That's a nice thought. I don't know why that you two team up against me. <laughs> I didn't say I was wrong about you are anything. Wrong. The thing I was right, wrong about. Quick, let's have Bucky put his headset on real quick. Right. Oh, you have to put your headset just on. Just real quick. Black tie has Before to say Bucky leaves. I uh, do want to say, because I'm a classy ahead. guy, I was wrong. I picked the Steelers. Kudos to you Ravens fans. See? Classy guy. Um, Bucky, UNC guy. And uh, obviously, we all know on Sunday, you know, Stu Scott passed away. And I know Bucky had a relationship with him. Stu Scott Is that right? Tweeted. Did you know? Yeah. Like, I, I met Stu when I was in high school. He was mm. uh, at the local affiliate. He would uh, cover my high school games. We continue to have a relationship as I moved on, obviously, through college and into the pros. Um, great dude. Uh, a guy who was, you know, like the thing that I take away, particularly now that I'm in this business, is learning how to be authentic and being yourself and not being afraid to be that and allowing people to love and appreciate that. He was a trailblazer for the way that he approached his task and his job at ESPN. Really inspired a lot of young people to get into the industry, particularly African-Americans, the way that he was able to kind of still speak the language that we would use in the barbershop Mm -hmm. and other places. And I think because he was authentic, that is why he is so well-received and why we've seen so many people talk and, and really throw Verbal bouquets in his direction for the way that he lived his life. I'm sad for his two daughters, but he was a great man who lived his life to the fullest. I'll tell you, man, a a couple of things. First of all, you're right about from from a professional profile. There are so many people along the way who will, however they put it, however they phrase it, so many young guys, young people reach out to me. Hey, how do you get started? How do you do it? I say to everybody, no matter how much people try to force you, you know, willfully or because they, they don't want you to be different than them. They Everybody tries to be the same. And it's yeah. how, don't be cookie cutter is easy to say, but it really is hard when you're standing shoulder to shoulder with people who well, are yeah, all doing to... it the same way. You feel like this is, I must seem weird doing this. And don't do that. Be different. Be, figure out what is distinctive. That's what Stu Scott did. And aside from that, though, and I, I, I to be perfectly honest with you, I had no idea of the impact that he had on an entire generation or two, like you say, specifically for young black men watching him, that this was not something you saw a great deal of on TV. So I mean, I woke, up, I woke up a Sunday, and I heard the news, and I was 
not in a good sh- not in a good mood and I couldn't really figure out why then I traced it back to my childhood and like you said like yeah before sports center Stu Scott it was war uh war with sport and CNN which was just like a 5 minute show and boring as heck and then you see Stu and the Bulls in 96 and all that stuff and that you know that really the energy the me. impact yeah. the like, en- right it's like wh- bringing bringing what we call pop cultural references now it's nothing because we bring all that in but he melded and blended pop culture with sports and so anyone particularly in our community like that is everything i i I base a lot of stuff off the barbershop you always are talking music or sports in the barbershop he will he was able to pull catch phrases from music hip-hop or whatever and infuse those into sports and there's always been that symmetry between the two he just brought it to light and did it in a very classy and tactful way on Sports Center, which is why so many guys yeah. wanted to be broadcasters later in life. Yeah, it is remarkable, and you know, in uh, in the bigger picture, and uh, not to get too philosophical, but the you know, I, uh, give me any day, it'd be great to be have professional success and all that. But when somebody is, I mean, you can't hear a bad word about certain guys, and it's rare that you know, there's always some detractor out there. Stu Scott is, seems to be one of those guys who just doesn't have them. You know, there he doesn't like a lot of people. That, just really that's the greatest compliment him. Great, you can great, have. Great, great, yeah. great guy did everything. Uh, that that's my advice living, to you out there. My old man, the my old man was uh, was a doctor. You know, did, did well in Pittsburgh. And the greatest thing I ever heard about him was that the was I you know I'd go to the hospital when I was a kid with him on occasion. And the janitors and, and, you know, and the people behind the couch serving food and stuff, they would say, hey, you got a great dad. And I would say, oh, yeah, you know, I, you know I'm an eight-year-old kid. They said, you know, he's the only doctor here who treats us nicely, who talks to us, stops to laugh with us and everything else. It sounds like Stu Scott is that guy, regardless of where you are in the pecking order. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing you can be. You know, the mark of a great man is one who is how he treats those who can do nothing for him. And it seems like Stu Scott was a good guy in that regard. Very, you know, very giving. You know, and I, I was showing uh, Black Tie a text, a tweet that he sent me, uh, man, like a year ago, just talking about sending a shout-out. It was something that was mm-hmm. unprompted, but just it means so much to me that I now keep it in my phone because the fact that he was so revered and such a big marquee figure, the fact that I'm trying to crack into the industry and I'm trying to be relevant and respected from people who are respected journalists, the fact that he would shout me out and build me up, that says a lot about him. The mm-hmm. fact that he, you know, this this industry is full of egos mm-hmm. and those that won't try and help you along the way, the fact that he would reach I'm out. I'm one of those. I would not. I would, yeah. that, don't ever ask me for that. <laughs> dealing with this guy. No, I would yeah, never do that for you. And if you think I'm going to root yeah, for UNC against Pitt, you are sorry, sorrily mistaken, <laughs> I'm afraid, sir. Now, listen, great stuff, uh, Buck Brooks. Uh, and uh, we'll t- let's check in before the – the Super Bowl, of course, but then also right on the other side of the Super Bowl, that's when Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah and all the scouts really get it uh, tuned up, and they start. That's that's their busy season. They start getting ready for the NFL draft, and that's when I'll really start picking your brain on what the Steelers need to do with their draft pick and everybody else too, if we have time for it. All right, the great Bucky Brooks. It's at Bucky Brooks, right? That's, that's as right. Simple at as Bucky that. Brooks on Twitter. Hit me up. Excellent stuff from uh, from Buck, and uh, again, congratulations to all the teams that survived. Better luck next year to all the teams that didn't survive. We'll be back to break down the Man's divisional United round. Also moved on in the FA I Cup. don't care. I couldn't care you less. Don't, you don't the, care about no, that? No, I don't care about Come that. Come on. I don't care about what Man United did, and I don't care about that guy who's dominating my timeline now. I don't even know who that guy is well, who signed we, with in, something. We're in the fourth round in the FA Cup. I'm I know, but some guy that. moved from the U.K. now to play – in the oh, it's Stephen Stephen Gerrard. I yeah. don't know who that is. Yeah, I feel Galaxy. embarrassed. I don't know who that is. I know who Liverpool Gerard legend. Depardieu is, oh, and I gosh. know who Gerard Butler. Speaking is. of the gold standard, just walked in. And I'm not really sure what he's doing here, but I wanted to tell him something, and it couldn't fit into a tweet. So let's put it on the end of the podcast right here. See what's here. Gold standard. I believe that the FA Cup is probably second to none to the World Cup for you. Like you, the idea of a of an underdog beating out why is a this happening right now? What, what <laughs> happened here? must really be top-notch for the gold standard. I don't know what the FA Cup even is. Well, Dave, the FA Cup is a competition that pits all of the teams in England who play soccer against one another, uh, whether they are amateur, whether they're semi-professional, whether they're full-fledged professional teams. Yeah, so uh, it's like 700-some teams, I think. Um, 
So, yeah, it's a pretty cool competition. I think All right, can... Oregon or Ohio State winner versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But this would be the, the Dignity Bowl. Like, this would be like Division Three teams against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's exciting. <laughs> I would love that. That would be great. Listen, relegation is my dream for Major League Baseball. That would be just uh, the most fun thing to see. Or we could do that with basketball teams too. All right, enough. Now, like I say, I would like to uh, – to, so we'll look forward to – Later in the week, we got some good stuff coming for you. The Sheck Report should be up momentarily if you're listening to us on Monday. Otherwise, it's there for you. Tuesday and beyond, we'll be back to break down the divisional round playoffs with our Red Challenge flag picks. We'll see who joins us in Studio 66 for that. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.